This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. Hello, and welcome to Flourish with me, Tiffany Boyd. This is a podcast where we explore what it means to live with intention. I'm a mom to three beautiful boys, a wife, a friend, an entrepreneur, and so many other things. When my dad passed, I made a commitment to myself to live with intention. For years afterwards, I struggled with discovering what that meant. I felt uncomfortable giving myself permission or even figuring out how to honor that. What I do know and believe is that where attention goes, energy flows. This show will explore what it means to live with intention, seek to inspire you, and bring practical tools through stories and interviews that you can use to change your own life. Thank you for joining me and this wonderful community of women as we raise our vibration, honor ourselves, and live intentionally. Welcome back to Flourish, the podcast where we discuss what it means to live with intention. And I am actually just bursting with excitement today because today's topic is something that I am so, so passionate about. And it's something that in coming to understand has literally changed my life and it will change your life too. So today's topic, we're diving into calling in abundance and overcoming resistance. And so abundance, I feel, has become this, um, I don't know, this niche term or this cliche term or this overused term, but it's a real thing and It also seems to be something that people often get really confused about. And also, I think it's something that if you were to poll, you know, a thousand people, a hundred people, anyone, they all want it. And there's a great deal of confusion around it. And I'm going to tell you the secret. Calling on abundance is very simple. It's a very simple thing. And now, simple is not synonymous with not hard. It doesn't mean that it isn't hard. It just means that it isn't complicated. But because it isn't complicated, doesn't mean that it isn't complex. And so I feel like I'm using (laughs) all of this confusing language. But let's just dive in and talk about what calling in abundance actually looks like. And I'm going to tell some personal stories and we're going to go all over the place from the concept of energetics to brain neuroscience to where we're seeing it in action today because this is something that I am so passionate about and I have spent years researching to understand from all different angles and I'm really excited to share this information with you today and I hope that it's helpful. So calling in abundance is really simple. Abundance isn't something that you get. Because when you think about it in those contexts or in that context, if you get something, it's like you're taking it away from somewhere. And that suggests that there is a finite amount. 
And abundance is infinite. And that is hard for us to get our head around. It's hard for us to expand our mind around the concept that there is enough. There is enough money. There are enough clients. There are people out there right now waiting to find and discover you with the money that want to pay for your services right now. Abundance is infinite in all ways, in all directions, and it's not something you get. It's something you tune into. And it's that simple. It's about changing your energetic vibration, your frequency, your resonance. It's like changing a radio dial and you are kind of in the fuzz and you tune in and you've probably had moments where you've had sort of that blissful tuning in to abundance and then you fall back out and you can't find the station again and you can't remember what um, what the call number was and but you remember the feeling and that's what it is. Abundance is about translating a feeling into an energetic frequency. So what do I mean by that? So the way that the brain works, and this works in positive and in the negative, is that the brain cannot differentiate or decipher the difference between a feeling and a real experience. So let me give you some examples of where we see that and where it's really easy for us to believe that. So we know it is proven through science and it is a fact and it's a consideration that stress, chronic stress, creates disease and that manifests differently in all of us and in different people. But we know that exposure to feeling stress perpetually will likely make you sick eventually. What is stress? Stress is a state of being. Being, It's an experience. It's a feeling. And what happens when you have a feeling over and over and over again? That feeling translates in the brain to different neurons firing to create that experience in the body. If those neurons fire repeatedly over and over and over again in the same patterning, you start to create hardware. You start to create neurological networks in the brain. And that hardware starts to produce software, which is your default operating system. That default operating system starts to play the same experience over and over and over again. And that experience starts to translate into your mood, if it's something that happens over time. A feeling is something that's fleeting. You can feel sad for a moment, it goes away. You can feel happy for a moment, it goes away. When you feel sad for a very long time, that becomes your mood. And when your mood goes on longer, that becomes your personality. You might be an angry person, you might be a sad person, you might be a happy person. We use those descriptors all the time to define or describe people. And your personality soon becomes your personal reality. And that's the lens for how you look at things in the world. And then you call in more experiences and basically self-affirm what you expect to see, basically 
confirming that that wiring is correct, creating more experiences, living more experiences, producing the same feelings, the same moods, the same personality, and perpetuating that personal reality. And so when exposed to stress, we create the hardware, the software, and you become a stressed human. That becomes your reality. That becomes your personal reality. And eventually that translates into disease. However, what I find really, really interesting is that we accept that. That makes total sense to us. But the reverse, that if we start to feel really good, if we start to feel and experience emotions of gratitude, if we start to tap into what science is termed as heart coherence, and that is where the heart, and it's measurable, experiences something in your reality first and translates the message to the brain, which then interprets the experience instead of the reverse where the brain is telling the heart how to feel. And you start to create an experience of heart coherence. And what they see in brain scans when that's the case, and it's the case where you have elevated um, elevated emotions and elevated experiences like joy and gratitude, is that you see different chemistry and frequencies and experiences in those brain waves of those people and it can be measured and it happens during meditation and it happens where we are consciously cultivating and creating those experiences and those reactions and those feelings in our personal reality and it starts to be create measurable differences in the brain and as you start to create more of those measurable joyful high vibration experiences and changes in the brain, you start to rewire in the same way that we wired and created hardware for stress. And as you start to rewire, you create new new hardware. And what happens at this point, and this is often, you know, people don't want to feel bad. Nobody wants to feel bad, with very rare exception. And so if it's this simple, why doesn't everybody feel great and that's a really good question and it's because at some level what's happening is death cell death neurological programming death in the body and it's almost and i don't understand the science that well for this but intuitively and i know it is backed by science the body is innately trying to sustain what is a safe patterning that's kept you alive because a lot of these patterns are born out of necessity. They're born out of a trauma experience where you are trying to then keep yourself safe. It might translate into anxiety, into your personal reality where you've had something that was a real or perceived, but perceived as real danger. And then you start to rewire how you see things and experience things and it translates into anxiety or depression. But all of these things are there to keep you safe because that is the goal of our our body, of our wiring, of our nervous system, of our ego, to keep us safe. That's how we evolved. And so if you start to kill off a program in your brain that was designed to keep you safe, there is resistance, there's fear, and there's no way to step into no programming without stepping into a complete void of unknown. And it is the unknown that creates the greatest fear in us. I remember as a little girl, it was always fear of the unknown. I was scared of the dark, but not because it was dark, because I couldn't see and I didn't know what was there. 
It's fear of the unknown, and that's the reality. When you want to reprogram and create space to call in abundance, and you want to step into a higher vibe and create some new programming, some new wiring, some new software, you're stepping into an unknown space. And so this leads me to my next point. When you're trying to call in abundance, when you're trying to step into abundance, you are going to meet resistance. There's no way around it. And the only way to overcome resistance is persistence. And that means that if you're prepared that it's going to come, that you have to continue to show up. There's um, Joe Dispenza's work is some of the work that I've studied the most with respect to understanding the science of, of this, of abundance. And he has a number of case studies, but there was one that was particularly profound that demonstrates this exact uh, scenario that I'm describing. And it was of a cancer researcher who ended up with metastatic stage four cancer. And she was a cancer researcher and she engaged with all of the best available treatments, the, the chemo that was prescribed as best, uh, trials, all kinds of things, and nothing was really making a dent. And, you know, based on what was available through conventional medicine and science, there really wasn't anything, and the prognosis was looking fairly grim. And so she decided to try something alternative and that's when she found the work of Joe Dispenza and started to work towards changing her personal reality and trying to rewire for what was really a function of a stress response of a long stressful career that translated in her view to cancer in her body and she decided that she had nothing to lose and so she showed up day after day even when she didn't feel like it even when she felt sick and she did her meditation and she did the work she stepped into the unknown and i think people expect that when you step into this work that it's going to feel profound and magical and amazing and often that's not the case and so i just want to share that when you're doing the work it's very much shadow work and you assume, because it's human nature, that you're doing something wrong because it doesn't feel great, it doesn't seem profound, and you're kind of in the mud. And it's the magic happens in showing up and being consistent and persistent, and eventually, all of a sudden, it's like you feel like you're trudging, trudging through mud, getting nowhere, and then it's like at some critical point, all of a sudden, it's just like all of the momentum that you've been working to build, all of the energetic buildup to raise your vibration catches up and it's just like a whoosh. And you don't even sink in the mud. You just walk right over it. Maybe you fly over it, but it comes. But you have to hold the belief that it's possible. And that is so hard when all of your existing wiring and hardware suggest that it isn't possible, suggest that your experiences to date don't show any lived or tangible experience that this can become a new reality. And so that is where, and I've talked about the role of expanders as language I've used in the past, but we have to expand our belief around what is possible. And a great example of this is the four minute mile. 
I can't remember what year it was, um, but for forever, and according to science, nobody could run a mile in a minute or less. It just was physically impossible, and those are the results. And at one race, somebody crushed the one-minute mile, which had been deemed as physically impossible prior. And as soon as one person did it, that changed the perspective around what was possible, and then everyone started crushing the one-minute mile. And all of a sudden, what was a fact was no longer a fact because we changed our belief around what is possible. And so when you want to call in abundance, and this is about business too, so business success, and here's the real secret, business success is 90% energy, 10% action. And there are examples of that over and over and over again. And what, you're, what you'll see is people taking a ton of action, 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 and failing, failing, failing. And that is the reality. You are going to come up against resistance over and over and over again if you choose to be an entrepreneur, if you are in business. It is a reality, but it is your mindset around it that matters. And it's your mindset that when it creates a shift and you tune into that energetic vibration of abundance, that you become such a magnet that it doesn't matter if you're using a funnel or an email list or an Instagram reel or whatever the case may be, that people want what you have to offer. They're waiting for you. And so it's never the thing. It's never the thing. It's always the energy. It's always how you're vibrating. It's always that energetic resonance and then taking aligned action. I heard an expression recently that uh, the language of manifestation is action. And I agree with that. But when you speak the language properly, that action is aligned and you're taking action from a place of already creating that energetic resonance of being really clear about what you want, being really clear and believing that it's possible. You've done the shadow work. You keep showing up. That's part of it. That's part of living intentionally. It's about showing up. It's about persevering through the marathon in the middle miles where it feels really, really hard. And it's overcoming resistance and demonstrating that you believe in yourself, that you believe in the magic, that you believe that it's possible, that you are worthy. And then all of a sudden comes this instant magnetism. And it often comes right when you're at the rock bottom because you're draining yourself in pushing through the resistance and in believing in yourself and still trudging through the mud. And so it just feels like you're at your very bottom and then whoosh, it comes, it comes, you'll see. And so a really great example of this recently, because we all know who Kim Kardashian is. I want to call her Kim K like I know her, but clearly I don't. One person said my voice sounds like her, and I thought, hmm, that's interesting. <laughs> that's probably the only reference to similarity that I'll get there. Um, but she recently made a million dollars in a minute for her partnership, for her Skims, and I can't remember if it was Fendi. I think it was Fendi and Skims. Um, and I don't even know what it is, but I wanted it. I saw it. And I don't even know that I necessarily thought that that product was attractive, but there was something about the energy that she brought forward that drew me to it. And 
people are drawn not to the thing. They're drawn to the experience. They're drawn to how it makes them feel. And so people, this is true in in all of our interactions. People hear words, but they experience your energy. And it's the experience of of your energy that they'll take away. And we might analyze words, but what confuses us sometimes is when the energy and the words don't align because we feel differently about what just happened based on what was said and how it doesn't align. And it is always the experience that trumps what we hear, what we see, because that is our own feeling, which translates into our own energetic response and experience of a situation. And you've probably heard of the book. I remember reading this and I think, I can't remember if it came out in the late nineties or the early two thousands, no logo by Naomi Klein. Um, and I remember reading that in, in high school and it was a really dense read and it was talking about brands and, and really brand manipulation. But one of the things that really struck me when I was reading it is that That is the same idea with a brand. It is not about the product. It is about what the product makes you feel. And that's how advertising is built as well. And how people experience you, there's no necessary like DNA or step-by-step guide or perfect funnel or sequencing for an email list or frequency of emails or any of those things like There is strategy, but when strategy translates and works, it's because of the energetic resonance that you're offering that is coming through, creating the experience for them. You're selling yourself, you're selling your product, but what people care about is not you or your product. They care about themselves. They care about how they feel. They care about how it resonates for them. And so they will respond to your energy. And that is why business is really 90% energy, 10% strategy, because it's not the strategy that fixes the thing. And sometimes strategy is the gateway to get you into the place where you feel more aligned and your energy rises to where it needs to get. And it was just the gateway, but the thing that makes a difference and we mistake it often was not that the strategy worked. It's that you did the work because the strategy led you to where you needed to go to communicate that energy. This would be, sorry, I'm just thinking about how many times I've said the word energy in this podcast. And I feel like if it was a drinking game and we used the word energy, it would be a bad scene. Um, So yeah, calling in abundance. It's simple. It's very, very, very simple, but that doesn't mean it isn't complex or hard. And a large part of it is overcoming resistance. And part of that is just being willing to step into being willing to step into something that's uncomfortable. And I think one of the biggest tools here and what I'd like to invite you to do, I'm going to do this myself in the new year. And I feel like this is just such a highly relevant and salient and fruitful time to have this conversation about abundance because we're in Capricorn season and we're going into the new year and new year is all about new you, new start, new year's resolutions. And it's an opportunity to invite a new way of being in. 
And one of the tools that is of the highest success to support you to make these shifts is a daily meditation practice. And this is something that I have done on and off myself personally. And when I'm doing it, it makes a huge difference. But what I find really interesting is that as someone who likes to do, 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 and I'm very action orientated, sitting in meditation is sometimes painful and hard for me even when it's five minutes, which is ridiculous because I could easily waste five minutes scrolling social, but it's because I am really sitting and being present and being mindful. And it is in that intentional action and space where we can purposely attune and create shifts in our own brain chemistry in particular which then starts to create patterning. And it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable because you're stepping into a different and unknown version of who you are every day, all day. And in recognizing that, and in recognizing the need to overcome the resistance, the need to step into discomfort and to the unknown, and the need to reprogram and experience in a repeated way the new experience, the new resonance, the new feeling that I want to bring in, it needs to become a daily practice. And so I'd love to invite you in the new year, or if you're feeling called even now, to start that experience. Find some beautiful guided meditations or sit in silence and reflect on gratitude, reflect on joy. And it's a great opportunity to do before going to bed Um, our brainwaves adjust and shift and become more, um, I guess, easy to influence at those states of consciousness before um, going into sleep and after sleep or even during sleep. And I'm always mindful of this as a parent as well, that just understanding, even at a basic level, brain chemistry, particularly those first seven years of childhood, and it's, it's relevant for us as adults to look back and reflect on, But those are the formative years. Our brains are literally sponges during those times. And our consciousness frequency is being attuned to the reality around us. And that's how we're learning what our beliefs are. What is safe or not safe? What is real or not real? Based on the experience that we're having as a child and what we see around us and what is modeled to us by the people that take care of us. And so that's a lot of where our neurological programming comes because we become less flexible in that programming or in that influence after approximately the age of seven. And even in my own kids, I'm conscious of that in terms of what am I demonstrating consciously or subconsciously to them that is impacting their own programming around worthiness or scarcity or abundance. And just because it becomes more difficult to influence after seven doesn't mean that you can't change it. It just means that it takes more work And it gives us the insight into, well, what was our experience in those first seven years and what mistaken beliefs or limiting beliefs have I programmed into my subconscious that I didn't even realize aren't actually a real thing. I just believe they're real because they became a belief set that's running as a hardware in the background of my brain. And I remember reflecting on this. I had an aha moment and I remember it distinctly and it was kind of bizarre, um, So I did uh, competitive skiing, cross-country skiing for a number of years in high school and university, and um, 
one of the things that we would do before a race is of course we'd pre-ski the course to become familiar with the race course and understand you know what the challenges would be and so that we could prepare and manage our energy output accordingly when we were in the race itself and then the night before the race as we were going to bed we were always coached to basically do the course in our head and imagine and try to experience what it would feel like to be in the race in that moment how we would get up a hill how we would hold our body tucking down a hill and to experience feeling tired but overcoming it the feeling of getting to the finish line and feeling great and what's interesting is that sports teams like there's a couple nba teams i think they were coached by the same coach and i'm not like a great sports guru so for those of you that know apologies i'm probably butchering some of these details but the premise was this coach worked with the team and asked them to meditate which is fairly unconventional i think at the time for about 30 percent of their time together they weren't practicing their i don't know what do you call it when they stand at the line and shoot the ball I don't know shooting baskets (laughs) like they do that for a portion they do the court work they do the training they would build their strength and their resistance and their their cardiovascular system and they'd practice the technical skills but for 30% of the time they'd meditate they'd meditate on exactly these things the experience of winning the experience and the emotional reality of what it would feel like to win the championship the experience of the the ball swooshing through the net practicing the shots in their mind and those teams that this coach coached went on to win the nba championships which i know there's another term for and i'm, I'm just showing you exactly how much i watch sports and It is just a demonstration for how powerful the mind is. And I remember being at work one day, this is probably about, I don't know, 12 years ago, and I was reflecting on, I was training at that time uh, for a bike race from Haines Junction to Haines, Alaska. It's approximately 250 kilometers through a summit. And I decided I wanted to do it. I took six months to train for it. And I was really like, into my training and I had a plan and I was focused and I remember having this reflection that and I don't know why I was thinking about high jump I think probably because I'm really bad at high jump but I was trying to understand when people condition and do the same sort of training you know take away the genetics and I know that is a part of it what makes somebody more or less successful and I realized that When we go to jump, when we tell our body to jump, like if we're running up to do a high jump, there's a thought in our body, and we don't even know that it's happening, that's telling ourselves to do the run, how long to take the strides, and when to push up, and how to go. And there's a thousand little tiny thoughts in that sequencing, and that thought translates into a physical response in the body that causes us to run, that causes us to take strides at a certain distance, to go at a certain speed, and to propel ourselves up with so much momentum. And I realize that if you start to think that something's possible, and you tell your body to do it, that really that should translate into a result. 
because our body is responding to what we're telling it. And so we have to be conscious about what we're telling it. And it was just such an aha, profound moment for me because I understood where I had an innate belief and confidence. I would tell myself to do things and feel comfortable and confident I could do it. And where I didn't, I wouldn't tell my body to do it because I just assumed I couldn't. And I realized that that wasn't a physical limitation. That was a mental, emotional, energetic limitation. And the same concepts can be translated into business. And I often see people looking for the thing that's going to make things better. The prescription, the step-by-step process, the funnel, the whatever. And it's usually because already they're doubting themselves. And what needs to happen is the energetic alignment first and action, aligned action after. And life is not always so neat and tidy. So sometimes it's the experience of several action attempts while you work on the energy and the two come together and experience supports you to raise the vibration and then it doesn't quite work, but your energy is rising and you try something else and then eventually you get to the place where there's magic and the thing that you do works because your energy is where it should be. That's why I love mentorship and coaching because it's about an iterative process where you're combining action and energy work to get where you need to go because life isn't neat and, and you need to try something and you need to attack the energy. Attack is a strong word, but address, pardon me, the energy. Um, <clears throat> so calling, a, calling in abundance, tuning the dial to that right radio frequency very simple, very simple, but so, so hard. Um, I hope that this has inspired you to realize that you are so, so powerful and that wherever you're at right now, personally in your personal life or in your business, that it's just a matter of consciously cultivating and choosing to show up differently, to be intentional, to choose I'm going to use so many cliche terms because they're just flowing through me today. And this is my new favorite one, to be in purpose, on purpose, and that you can do it and that you're going to fail. But fail is just the first attempt in learning. That's all it is. And then you iterate and you do it again and you're going to get there. You're going to get there and it's all inside of you. Abundance is infinite. You just have to tune into it. So consider consider my challenge. Consider taking on a 30-day meditation challenge at the start of January. Actually, let's make that 31 days because there's 31 days in January, so we're going to do the whole month. Um, part of this, if you haven't guessed, is me setting up accountability for myself because accountability matters when you're trying to create a habit. So if I commit to you, I am going to show up for you even when it's hard for me. And so that's why I'm structuring the accountability this way, but also because I know it's going to make such a huge difference in your life. Now, a couple of announcements. I am going to be taking a break now until the end of December to spend time on and with 
family and enjoying the holidays and slowing down and taking time to get really intentional about what I want 2022 to look like. I will be back at the beginning of January with the energy report for January in the year ahead with Emily and her stars. We're also booking a whole bunch of exciting guests for the new year. I'm so excited. The website, the Flourish website has been updated and we've expanded services to businesses that serve. It's official. We've reframed how we're supporting and providing mentorship and coaching. The podcast is on there and you'll see that there are updates for other offerings on the the shop page. So that work is done. I have two spots available for one-on-one mentorship in the new year. So if you're interested, please reach out to me directly. I think the best way would just be by email right now, flourishinglately at gmail.com. If you do reach out between now and January, I will respond. But I just want to take this moment to say in my first six months of podcasting, my first, you know, year added as a year comes to a close just a huge, huge, overwhelming expression of gratitude and thanks for being here and listening. I appreciate all of you. I love this opportunity and experience to share. I hope that if there are things that are helpful or you'd like more of, I'd invite you to reach out and let me know because it's really important to me always to be of service to you. If you can take some time to rate and review the podcast, it really, really helps the podcast gain exposure or share it with a friend if you think this is something, you know, if there's an episode that speaks to you that you know that they would benefit from hearing. And have a lovely holiday season, whatever that means for you, wherever you're at. And just a quick moment to acknowledge that You know, the holiday season is many things for many people. Some people experience joy, some people experience grief, and there's a spectrum of emotions. And just to say, I see you wherever you're at, and there's space for that, and there's no expectation for what this looks like for you. Let it shine, let it shine